Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Dakota Chancellor. This is Collateral Gaming. Welcome to Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of gaming. We are podcasting straight from San Antonio, Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, be it blunts, be it bongs, be it joints, smoke it if you've got it, my friends, smoke it if you've got it. And uh, today is our season finale. Yep. Um, season two has honestly been great. I mean, if we want to just take a moment to kind of celebrate, you know, what has been, I think, a very successful second season of Collateral Gaming. Yeah, I think so, too. It's, it's been really fantastic. Got a lot done. Talked about a lot of games we wanted to talk about. This will conclude the our, you know, original list of games that you and I had. Yeah, this is the very last game that... Um, we had and on our original list of collateral gaming when Dakota and I were planning out the series. Um, this was originally on the list of ideas because originally everything in season two was part of season one because we were biweekly originally and we split it. it uh, when, when we went monthly, we split the uh, the first season into two seasons. So this is this is the very end of what we initially planned. Right. So the very last episode to be that. <laughs> So yeah, it's kind of a kind of a momentous occasion here. And you know, we've also just had a ton of support. Um we are super thankful to have, you know, fans of the podcast listeners to have fellow podcasters. So it's really been great. And, and like you said, a lot of the great games we've done this season, like we did Uncharted, is our season premiere start what we started off with, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, God of War, God of War. Oh my God. A, a new favorite of mine. One of my favorite video games of all time now. Um, Red Dead 2 was great. Death Stranding. Of course. You know, um, just so many phenomenal games that we've talked about and only one really bad one, right? <laughs> yeah. Action 52. Action 52 <laughs> was the, the only bad game that we've talked about. And you didn't even get to experience that horror, Dakota. You showed me. I didn't play it but I didn't need to. <laughs> yeah, you don't really need to play it to know how bad it is. But it, either way, we've had a lot of fun times. We've had a great season. So another segment that we started this season more prolifically was the Collateral Gaming News segment. Um, something we kind of started late in the season one, but in, the, in this one, we finally made it a full-on section, right? 
Yeah, we did. It's, it, it works out. <laughs> it, it's pretty nice because it gives us, you know, time to talk about things that we haven't talked about. Yeah. So in the gaming in the gaming world. Right. And I feel like there's a part of a gaming podcast that needs to talk about that. So here we are without further ado. Collateral gaming news. So, Dakota, what is going on in the world of gaming? Honestly, I don't know. I don't pay attention to that. <laughs> well, no, I, I know we've, um, the Apex actually recently, they're doing a crossplay, which is really nice. They're starting that in a couple days. That'll be tomorrow, actually, as of the time really? of this recording. Yeah. Well, there we go. Um, uh, no, no, day after tomorrow. You're right, a couple days. Okay. <clears throat> but yeah, they plan on allowing crossplay, which is, you know, they're doing the beta for that or whatever, which is great because, you know, that'll help a lot of the late night queue times. <laughs> yeah. And, no, and it'll, it'll be great for us to be able to play together. I actually just started playing Apex for the first time. In fact, um, we just did a collab with uh, Perfect Paradox Podcast. And I think we were going to talk about Apex and you know, that recent cross-play announcement. Although we ended up just talking about shitloads of stuff. You should go check that episode out. We should have our version out soon. And their version is available on their YouTube channel. I'll post links below. <laughs> but yeah, no, we actually had a, a great time. I was, I was actually super, super stoked to hear that now that I just started playing Apex, I'll be able to play with you, bro, because I'm on PS4 and you're on PC. Yep, PC Master Race. <laughs> I would be, but I hate Windows so much. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I can adjust. I feel you though. Uh, it's it's a an evil medium that I have to deal with. <laughs> the necessary evil. Yeah. Um, it really is because we have some you know gaming PC games that we have to do. Another, in this case, a disappointing change, I should say. The PS5 remaster of Spider-Man PS4. Uh, it's coming out. It, it'll be available with uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales, and I can't say how excited I am about uh, both of those. But anyway, the uh, in the in the PS5 remaster of Marvel Spider-Man, uh, they're actually replacing the face model for Peter Parker in a, in a very controversial move. Now, obviously, we're still going to be using the performance and motion capture of Yuri Lewenthal. I mean that would just be a tragedy that would not be the same but even with the new face it just i mean i watched a trailer and it it doesn't match maybe it just takes some getting used to um but the old voice actor john bubniak's face well it just it just fits so well and i'd gotten used to it with yuri lewenthal's voice and his and his motion capture performance but supposedly to bring next gen visuals what insomniac is doing is uh, using an actor, Ben Jordan, who has more similar facial characteristics to Yuri Lewenthal, so that the movements are more realistic. As far as we know, that's the only character who's being recast. But at the same time, it is going to be weird. And also, Ben Jordan looks a lot like Tom Holland, like eerily so, and he's very young looking. It, it Again, it doesn't quite fit with the narrative um, in which we have an older, you know, Peter Parker that's been Spider-Man for eight years. Right. That makes sense. You'd want the facial features of a slightly older looking, you know, Peter Parker. Yeah, but yeah, uh, but other than that, I mean, it looks crisp. The game looks so great. I mean, the 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 characters are are even more detailed, and um, it. I'm still gonna excited for it. I'm still gonna get it. I'm gonna get the ultimate edition of Miles Morales that comes with both, uh, that and the remaster. 
um, which we're getting at the price. That, that Ultimate Edition is the price of a regular game, $60. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about it. Um, again, it'll take some getting used to, but uh, I think that as long as we still have our Peter Parker, our Spider-Man as he's written, it, it's going to be fine. And obviously, I think that they're trying to soften the blow uh, when they use a different actor in, presumably Miles Morales, if Peter shows up, which I think he probably will, and then in the inevitable sequel. That's about it for Collateral Gaming News. Uh, we didn't really have a lot. We had a huge thing, you know, last last uh, podcast, so we had a lot of news to go through. But now, it, there's just a lot of exciting things. I mean, we're getting the PlayStation 5 and Xbox next month, so that's going to be fun. Right, and all the games that launch with it, of course. Exactly, including Spider-Man uh, and including uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So both of which we will, we, will, we will be talking about. We'll go ahead and say that now. Uh, that concludes our segment. So today we have a very special episode. Um, again, like you said earlier, Dakota, I mean, this was the last episode that we initially planned. Right. No, this is the last one on our list. And it is Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Um, Dakota and I are both huge fans of the Assassin's Creed series, but this is the one I think both of us have played through the most. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, it's, it's, it's the pirate one, if you're not familiar. It's, it's the Assassin's Creed game that is also a pirate game, <laughs> very much so. What, do you, what would you say about the uh, Assassin's Creed series as a whole, for anyone who was kind of unfamiliar with that? As in, like, what would I say about it? Like, what? Yeah, how, how, would you, how would you describe the Assassin's Creed series to someone who'd never heard about it? Well, I mean, you kind of... You have to understand that the assassins are, are kind of kind of seen as, as the good guys in this in this scenario. Mm -hmm. um, you you would uh, assume that being an assassin, you're doing e very evil work, but in this case, you're actually doing it for good. They have you know morals. They go behind. They have a blood pact. So that kind of there's that bit of I don't know uh, assumption you would make you know when watching. No, I, I think it's it it's full of a lot of characters that you'll really fall in love with, particularly this game. Um, assassin characters really have their own personalities, very much so, and so it's it's definitely something you'll fall in love with. Yeah, yeah, I love the Assassin's Creed franchise. I mean, it's a stealth action adventure series. Ever since the very first game, it's focused on assassinating targets. It's focused on having like real world historical accuracy, and then their detail. Um, one thing that the series is, or the franchise as a whole, is is known for, of course is the, that uh, there's the modern-day storyline, which is the existing forms of the Assassin Order and the Templar Order, which in this case is known as Abstergo Industries, um, and trying to get a hold of memories uh, for, so that they can control uh, powerful artifacts um, that were created by the, the, uh, the precursors, a godlike civilization before. That was named actually that we named our gods after, and then um, and so the Templars have always been trying to get a hold of those pieces of Eden in some way or another throughout history. And the the Hashishin, you know, that, that was in the very first game we had the Hashishin, um, the assassins from uh, the Crusades versus the Knights Templar, and and they existed before that and they existed throughout time. So that's that's kind of the uh, the whole premise and. Abstergo invented a machine that allows you to view the genetic memories of your ancestors. They call it the Animus. 
the animus yeah it's really cool because they kind of you know use that to, to explain the ui in the game and so because you you're your character and so you know the the menu screens and everything so it's kind of a neat uh interesting form it also like, like you said there's your real world segments and so uh, again you'll come out of the animus and do your things in the first three games they were a little bit different than this one um you actually had a character that you knew and, and that was desmond but eventually it's more just like kind of you as the character in this game yeah, this is the first game to not feature Desmond as the playable protagonist following the events of Assassin's Creed 3. I mean, I guess we don't want to give spoilers for any of, the, any of the other games in case we do talk about them, but Desmond's storyline concludes in that um, part of the saga. And after that, um, for the next couple, next few games, actually, the modern day segment is you. Right. And, and you, you, the player, forming some nameless, you know, avatar. And in this game, of course, you are, uh, an abs- you, you work for Abstergo Entertainment, so. Yeah, kind of kind of unknowing that, you know, that you're working for the Templars in this game, especially if, if you haven't played the other games, you kind of wouldn't understand that you're working for the bad guys <laughs> in, in this case. Yeah, that, I mean, that's one aspect that Assassin's Creed Black Flag brought to this, this franchise, um, at least in the story aspect. Now, as far as uh, the gameplay goes, this is unique in that it uh, expanded on the naval combat that was introduced in Assassin's Creed 3. Um, but this time you have access to your ship in the open world. And it's so seamless going from land to ship and ship to land. And, you know, and the, there's the boarding mechanics and, and looting. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a swashbuckling adventure. Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag uh, was, of course, developed by uh, a group of Ubisoft developers that is primarily Ubisoft Montreal, uh, but also some work done by Ubisoft Milan and Ubisoft Kiev, uh, obviously published by Ubisoft, and obviously, like everything Ubisoft does, their name is all over it. You play this and that, and microtransactions galore shamelessly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you're not wrong. Freaking uh, six sieges that way. I mean, you know, all all the skins, you know, you gotta buy. I mean, you don't have to buy them with money, but it's a pretty much like to get all and all the cosmetics are all money. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, this game originally came on the PlayStation Three, the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, and the Wii U. Um, later was ported to PS Four, uh, PC, Xbox One, and the Switch. Most recently. So what was kind of cool about Black Flag, as soon as it was announced in 2013, was that it was set to feature a new protagonist, a new setting, and a new development team. So kind of emphasizing it as a full-on sequel rather than a spinoff like with Brotherhood or Revelations. Because after doing, you know, the whole Ezio trilogy, people were wondering, you know, where the series was going to go next. Um, But yeah, they decided to just move on. And since then, they've continued to move on. Development itself, you know, goes back as far as 2011, and this was done by a separate team that was working on Assassin's Creed 3. So they kind of have that staggered release in that way. Um, interestingly enough, it's the first main series title to carry a subtitle in the name. And, and this was done to distinguish the pirate theme from the rest of the franchise. Now, Assassin's Creed 4 does use the Anvil Next engine, which is what allowed the developers to work with one engine for both the current-gen and next-gen consoles. Because I played it on Wii U. You played it on Switch, right? 
Right. Well, I originally played it on Wii U, but uh, more recently I, I did the Switch edition, um, and there are a number of improvements in it. Also, the uh, soundtrack was composed by Brian Taylor, who was uh, behind Far Cry 3. Um, and then there was also, in addition to the original game soundtrack, a Sea Shanty and Complete Edition released. We both have the Sea Shanties on our Apple Music. Oh, yeah. No, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> we just jam out to it. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Sea Shanties are the shit. Uh, it's good music, not going to lie. It's just like so entertaining to listen to while you're on the sea. <laughs> yeah, I love that feeling of, of, of just sailing out and, and hearing the sailors and, and um, sing while you're going along. And if you don't want to hear it, you can change it. Uh, you can turn it off or you can change the song, but it's just a nice touch. And so you get more of this ambient feel. I mean, but the, but the soundtrack is fire too, right? Absolutely. The soundtrack is awesome. The intro song, oh my goodness, is yeah. wonderful. The main theme or whatever. Yeah, the instrumental is so good. Um, and some remixes, uh, remixes of, of previous Assassin's Creed theme, like Ezio's Family, which has come to me be like the Assassin's Creed theme. There was also the Freedom Cry DLC soundtrack composed by Olivier Derivier. Edward, privateering, is it dangerous? We are not men meant to govern. We take and spend and live heartily wherever we go. We're moments away from the grandest prize of all. 10,000 times above what we could pull off any Spanish ship. It ain't a fortune, it's a fantasy. To fight beside a man so driven by personal gain and glory is a hard thing, Edward. If you continue on your present course, they'll find you're the only one walking it. The men who call themselves governors of this island. Charles Vane, Ben Hornigold, and Ed Thatch. Be hanged by the neck until dead. When I turn around, there's not a man or woman that I love left standing beside me. This will be your fate if you fail to cooperate. I will choose a new path, but I will never cooperate with those bastards. One interesting thing that I found out about this game while um, while researching it was that apparently Ubisoft funded the exhumation of of uh, the remains of Spanish corsair Amaro Pago uh, so that they could reconstruct his face for the possible appearance in game. Whoa! Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that that was pretty interesting. But yeah, it looks like a lot of work went into Assassin's Creed 3. I mean, obviously Ubisoft does develop things fairly quickly, but they have a big team. Assassin's Creed 4. Assassin's Creed 4, you're right. <laughs> I'm too high for this. But I mean, obviously, I think that this game makes a lot of improvements. And I played both. Assassin's Creed 3 was my first Assassin's Creed game. Um, and I remember playing this actually midway through playing that, because I got both on Wii U. And um, I remember just just in the very beginning, the world was so much brighter and more colorful. 
and and I really wanted to finish Assassin's Creed Three pretty quickly so I could get back to Four. Yeah, no, Four is is very vibrant. I mean, when you're on the water, it's 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 beautiful, you know. You you're you know not on the water, and you 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 know you seamlessly get on on and off of your ship. It's just really really good game. I, I love it. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, I will love the gameplay. Um, obviously, we've got some of the same stealth action adventure gameplay from other games in the series as far as the combat and the. Uh, general gameplay the assassinations on land stuff is pretty similar we've we're going in the direction of uh assassin's creed 3 where they uh simplified the controls so you only have to hold down the right trigger to uh free run everywhere and uh, there's a lot more that is climbable than in previous installments but again this was introduced in 3 along with the combat system um which uses like the one uh button parry Followed by, you know, a t uh, counterattack or throw. So, but the combat is actually pretty fucking easy. All you have to do really is just is. counter everything. Yeah, if you counter all the moves, you're pretty much fine. You can walk into a base and destroy everybody without taking any damage. Not that hard. <laughs> in fact, it's easier because in previous games, it's always been true in Assassin's Creed that countering is the way to go because countering is, is, is what uh, kills, you know, the counter kills are... are how you most quickly defeat enemies, but in previous games, you kind of had to time. You had to hold down the right trigger and then press the attack button at just the right time when the enemy's attack lands. Um, with Assassin's Creed 3, it's a one button to parry, and then yeah. you get a choice of what to do afterwards. Right, and, if you, and then after that, of course, you get combos, combo kills. Yeah, combo kills. I think Brotherhood actually did introduce those. Um, cause, which I've been playing a lot of recently, but yeah, doing the chain kills, uh, actually makes the combat even easier because you kill one person and you can just continue to kill everyone nearby and there's no limit as long as you can <laughs> continue to hit, hit, uh, the attack button and move towards the person that you're trying to kill. A little bit too easy, but it is a little bit too easy, but maybe that's kind of the point. Right. Because I guess yeah, the assassination is important. Assassination is important, but they were really more focusing on the, the the ship battles. I think that was more, that was that was their worry. You know, that was their their baby. The <laughs> working on the the sea naval combat. Right, and a large portion of this game is the naval combat. Um, there are over fifty locations to explore. It's among the biggest maps in Assassin's Creed, I think. Still, that includes uh, cities, islands, sea forts, Mayan ruins, sugar plantations, underwater shipwrecks. Underwater shipwrecks, I love those. Yeah, those missions were awesome. Well, okay. at first I liked them, and then I, yep. I think I forgot how much I, I didn't like them when I was replaying them recently. Right. Is the fucking sharks? Yeah. The sharks are obnoxious because it's like you literally can't avoid them. You have to take damage by them sometimes. It's just like impossible. There's no way. Is it, I mean, you can time, you know, the, those, you know, beam push offs. If you do that right, but even then, it's just like no, you, you gotta hide in the yeah. seaweed and stuff. But it's a neat concept. I like the idea of going down with the diving bell and exploring the ocean floor. It's really, really neat. Um, and, and as well as uh, all of the other side quests. I mean, this game is side quest heavy. Um, and the side quests are just as fun, if not more fun, than the main quest. With kind of a 60-40 balance between land and naval exploration. Uh, and this one definitely has a more open world feel and fewer restrictions for the player than in past titles. I mean, the game world itself opens up much sooner in-game than it did in, in uh, 3. Just right off the bat, you can pretty much explore the entire Caribbean with very few limits on where you can go or, or where you cannot go. Uh, as soon as you get the jackdaw, as soon as you get your ship, 
it's yours for the taking. And like, like we said, there's so much to do. You know, uh, raiding the plantations is fun and trying to get those challenges doing. Of course, assassination missions, that's not new. Also, I'm just exploring things, opening chests and finding the animus fragments. Oh, there's so many undiscovered chests left in the ocean that I just am too lazy to go get to 100% <laughs> the game. You just got to go out and get them. But no, that, that's a lot of fun. It does add to it, you know. And that's honestly where a big source of money comes from in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. No, most of your money seems to do until you start uh, making money from your uh, from Ken Weissfleet, the naval well, campaign. See, for me, I had an issue because I couldn't connect to the internet. So my money ended up just being attacking men, men of war. But yes. Oh, yeah. If you're playing the Wii... Well, no, I think the Wii U version might still work, but... Yeah, our Wii you, just had no Our Wii network. U couldn't. Yeah, because our Wii U gamepad was broken. So we can't connect to the Wi-Fi. <laughs> but uh, I was able to enjoy the naval campaign once more on my Switch. You know, when this game was out originally, there was a companion app, which isn't available anymore, but... I remember that. I had it downloaded. Yeah, it lets you do the naval campaign while you were yep. sailing around. It was actually ideal. So you didn't have to break the action and... Um, and, and jump into your your uh, captain's room to to do that. Um, I like the uh, also the the bank in in the game. There's always money to collect. Oh yeah. Or did they do that in this game, or am I thinking of Rogue? That's not this one. That's that's a different one. Rogue doesn't. Okay, this game doesn't have a bank. You're right, because there's nothing for you to own. But there's so much to plunder. That's what's also there. fun. Is just random ships you know and you gain notoriety by destroying ships uh the notoriety system from previous games does no longer applies on land although the guards seem to be all very strict and they'll pretty much instantly attack you if you do anything illegal and if you either climb a roof or you get put get too close to them or they catch you stealing some from somebody <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, but in any way plundering ships is fun you have the choice whether to board ships after weakening their health or you can just go ahead and sink them um, but you'll get more cargo if you take the time to to board ships and what's really fun is is, is being able to 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 you, you kind of have uh, different objectives including fighting some members on board maybe uh, killing captains killing scouts or uh, ripping down the flag. That's one of the best ones is ripping down the flag because you get to do your assassin work you get to climb up on top of the ship and you know tear it down it's kind of really cool. Um, yeah. I, I've kind of noticed that the notoriety on, on, on this in the sea is kind of useless because it's like uh, to a point it's just like uh, you get ships that are just so easy to destroy and it's worth it. Yeah. Like it doesn't take long to upgrade your ship to the point in which you can start destroying pretty much anything that comes your way, no matter high, how high level your notoriety is. Right. No, and I love that aspect too, upgrading your ship to make it even more badass. Honestly, yeah, I prioritize that over pretty much everything else. I prioritize my ship. I built up my ship and had it pretty much ready before I, you know, upgraded my swords even. Yeah. The swords were the last thing I upgraded actually, funny enough. A fully powered up jackdaw has, you know, the manpower of any man of war. I mean, it is it is uh, insane. I mean, it, it's got the power of, of a legendary ship, I would say. <laughs> yeah. I was able to destroy the legendary ships before I got, you know, all of my elite plans, though. But I, I got a couple of them. But I for sure got the swivel. That was the most important. Oh, my God. The swivel plan. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that final swivel gun upgrade um, allows you to uh, chain together shots, and that's just so important to have. Um, but yeah, that leads us to another side quest mission, the legendary ships. Four, you know, insanely powered men of war that uh, are, are tough battles. They're like ship boss battles. 
There's one of them is one of the four is actually a double, and you have to. It's two, two ships, yeah. And those things, oh god, there's one of them where there is like super fast, and it's like way faster than you. It likes to ram you. Yeah. Uh, they all have different like something special about them, kind of. Right. They like, all have one's different playstyles. Kind play of more or some shit. Yeah. So you have different battles. You know, I like the one with the two ships because if you kill one, the other one lights itself on fire and rams you. Yes. <laughs> so you know it's a tough battle and then the ships try to get around surround you and attack you from both sides so you have to try to maneuver around there's one that just constantly tries to ram you and you just have to just like avoid it yeah yeah you just have to be um honestly i found it in, in that fight uh good to just be on the offensive and just was. keep trying to ram it and shoot it but yeah, the the, uh, the Jackdaw is, is probably uh, one of the biggest systems in the game. Like we said before, it's upgradable throughout the game. So you can use plunder from ships, from certain missions. Um, you may get plans, which you, yeah, yeah, the, all the elite upgrades you have to get blueprints for. And it also costs the end game currency, Rayals. And, and you have to use the crafting materials too, like metal and cloth and right. wood, which you end up, there's only a few items that take cloth. <laughs> Yeah, most of that was ship appearance upgrades, and you can you can customize the appearance of your ship as well. And personally, I like to keep everything natural. I like it with the jackdaw figurehead and the jackdaw wheel, but I I, I opt for the crimson sails because they just look badass. I agree. No, I had to have the crimson sails, and honestly, yeah, I didn't really change much either. Yeah, I like it the way that it is. I mean, I like the the you know the kind of the canonical um, approach. Uh, Edward himself also has a lot of appearance. Uh, uh, appearances. You have different outfits, and even previous assassins' outfits, which is kind of a tradition in assassins' Creed games. You, I just, I feel like they didn't put enough effort in all, all the other, you know, different items and things you can upgrade the ship and the, you know, uh, the Edward two, and that's why his original is just the best, you know, because they put the most effort into that one. <laughs> you can just kind of tell, you know. Yeah, no, I understand what you mean. Yeah, I mostly stick to Edward's uh, default appearance as well. Although I did try some of the, you know, extra coats or re recolors. Obviously, once you get the Mayan armor. I mean, the Mayan armor, the Templar armor when, when I got it, and then the Mayan armor was my end game, and I, I completed the game with the Mayan armor. Um, which the Templar armor and the Mayan armor are the only ones that have like special, unique. No, also the stealth. And the hunter and the. Wait, wait, yeah. No, just some, the hunter one. So, the just, one. Just like a few of them have, have uh, actual abilities, most of them are just cosmetic. But I like that the, the Jackdaw is almost always accessible in the game. You can make kind of a quick getaway. Although, I don't like how, <laughs> if you're still in combat, it won't let you grab the wheel. So it kind of defeats the purpose of the getaway. Kind of. But you can usually manage to, to hide and you know, be able to get away. Yeah. You've got your spyglass, which you can use on board to examine distant ships, determine the cargo and strength of ships, and you can get a quick look at like islands and uh, various side quests that are available on those. Remember the hunting system? That was carried over from Assassin's Creed 3. But I will say in this game, it's a little less prominent. But it's it kind of just exactly what it is. You hunt to craft resources to um, for yourself, like additional holsters, armor upgrades, and and uh, weapon upgrades and, and pouches to hold more weapons. You know, that's important. I got to the point where I just started buying them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. Well, I did. I actually got most of mine. There was like, I think it was the Husha hides or the ones or Huisha or whatever you say. Those hides, I couldn't manage to find them, find those anywhere at one point until I unlocked the whole map. Yeah, some of them you had to, you had, some of them were, were worth more than others. And there's also whaling. 
Um, as controversial as it is, I mean, it's historically accurate. It's what pirates did, and you can engage in that. And um, the whale skins crunch you powerful upgrades. Um, there is the white whale, which was kind of a community event uh, in a reference to Moby Dick, which you can no longer get, uh, including in the port of the version. Just so you all know, the white whale is impossible to whale. You have to buy it, the white whale pelt or skin or whatever it is. They don't think they have pelts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then there's also the recruiting system that has been in the series since Brotherhood. But in this game, it's pretty much relegated to uh, crew members on your ship. So uh, the combat and assassination assistance was actually removed so that uh, players could stop uh, bypassing challenges in the game. So it kind of added a, a level because I guess the, develop, the devs felt that the series had been made too easy because you could just have other people assassinate for you. I always liked that aspect, but in this game, the, they're solely pirate crewmates, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, and, and gaining crew is so easy in this game. It's like when you have your, your crewmates on your ship, it's just like it, you, they, a few of them die and you can just easily get more, which by finding them off in the sea. Right. Basically, they're your boarding strength. That's what the crewmates are good for. Right. Well, yeah, it allows you to use all of your cannons, too. You right. You know what I mean? And it, it just allows you to use all of your weaponry on the ship. Yeah, exactly. So you want to keep your crew meter up. Of course, there is the modern day segment as well. Um, in, the, in the present day, you play as, again, like we said earlier, yourself as an Abstergo employee. Um, it's actually in first person, and you kind of have this tablet that you carry around, which is the excuse for an interface in the modern day. Because Assassin's Creed always has this thing of being consistent where the Animus has like a HUD, you know, like a game does, and that's the explanation for it. But all of the present day segments, I don't know if anyone's ever noticed this, but there's very little HUD. If anything, the only thing that ever pops up is, you know, um, you'll see, uh, press any button to, conti to do continue. That's it. Right. So, and subtitles and things like that. But um, yeah, they try to keep it as, as realistic as possible. But in this game, you actually have the, um, the tablet kind of serve as your hub, and you can put it up a little bit, and you have access to a mini-map. And, and it's, it's fun. It's not as fun as playing as Desmond, I will say, but it is pretty cool. You can exit and go there anytime. You can hack other computers um, with these little like mini-games. Yeah, and you can kind of look at lore. You can spend time looking at lore and you know behind the scenes a little bit. You right. can do that in the menus too, actually. There's a lot of lore, yeah. I mean, like per, per previous games, obviously we have the database for the history, history showing like real his life historical figures and entries about the characters that you're going to deal with. Um, but yeah, there's I like the uh, Abstergo lore and game um, and all the different various documents that you can find that reference uh, events of previous games and what's kind of, the, it's your look at what happened post Assassin's Creed 3 to the world. You're very disconnected. I will say the story definitely, the modern day significant definitely takes a backseat this time. Previously, we kind of had the story arc going on. In this game, there really isn't a continuing story. It's kind of its own self-contained. Kind of feels more like just a, well, uh, this is just like a placeholder, just like a temporary before they jump into another story arc, you know? That makes sense. Just, just something. And, and that's fine. For a few games, the Assassin's Creed series does that. And it kind of just, up, up until Origins, they really didn't have a continuing story going on. Just kind of this more standalone. And, and I think that works for this one. I think the, the light tone and kind of the, just the focus overall and the pirate aspect does add for a refreshing change. I mean, in some ways, it's more a pirate game than it is an assassin game. No, absolutely. That, that's what it feels like to me. I, mean, I, I have yeah. more time just 
loving loving being a pirate, you know. And that's you are. <laughs> Most of the game it is is spent as a pirate. You don't actually join the assassins until near the end of the storyline. Right, exactly. Yeah, the Edward doesn't even fly the Jolly Roger with the assassin insignia that's kind of the logo for this game to the very end, and that's when he joins the assassins, assassins um, which in some ways is kind of controversial, but um, throughout most of the game, Edward is a self-serving, uh, you know, just, just pirate. He's, and he has kind of, he has a good heart. You can tell he wants to go back to his, his wife. He wants to make a name for himself. But but right yeah and, and it, it takes the whole game and all of his friends dying for him to realize you know that he needs something to happen, right, right. It, it also the uh, the multiplayer mode returned although it's only land based. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, we're well, getting into kind of the characters and the story. I mean, obviously, this game takes place in the Caribbean during the Golden Age of Piracy, um, and then we also have the modern day segment at, at Abstergo Entertainment. But our protagonist is Edward Kenway, which is cool because he's the father of Haytham Kenway and uh, grand and, and grandfather of Connor or Radun Hagedun, I think it's pronounced, um, who was who are both the protagonists of Assassin's Creed Three. So kind of stepping back and playing, you know, finding out, oh, okay, so Haytham's dad was uh, was an assassin, and it was he was he was Edward, although not until the end <laughs> again. Right, that's like the last scene you see, actually. Yeah, actually, that is. You're right. We also have other real-life historical figures, like most Assassin's Creed games, where you know uh, they're known for beating people like Leonardo da Vinci and Benjamin Franklin. In this game, you have meet Blackbeard himself, Edward Thatch, or Edward Teach. Yep. You are actually close friends with Edward Teach. Yeah, you are. And actually losing him midway through the story um, is, is a heartbreaker. You honestly feel for Edward. Um, Thatch, you know... And he goes by Thatch in this game, although they mentioned the teach that thing. Um, Thatch kind of puts on this front, like, I need to show myself to be scary so they don't mess with you. But, you know, at heart, he's a good friend and he's a valuable ally. And him, his death kind of is, is a little bit of a turning point in the story for Edward, in which, you know, he kind of sees this trend of everyone, all of his friends die. I mean, at the end, they show that, right? They're all dead. They're all dead. And he has like Anne Bonnie left and that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, speaking of which, we have Anne Bonny and Mary Reed, who actually portrays the character of James Kidd yep. early on and in, in, in before um, Edward finds out that she's really a, a woman. Both also being assassins in this game. Yeah, and she's an assassin. She's the one that kind of introduces him to the assassins. Um, we've got uh, other car- uh, real-life figures who I didn't know before this game, but they actually are famous pirates. Uh, Benjamin Hornigold, Steed Bonnet, Calico Jack Rackham, Charles Vane, uh, and Bartholomew Roberts, who is kind of the secondary antagonist of this game, who was uh, known as Black Bart. Um, also, Loriano Torres, the sort of uh, main antagonist, who was the real-life governor. Um, you have your uh, your first mate for most of the game until Anne takes over. Uh, Adewale, the former slave who helps you escape. Don't really know if he's a real, you know, made-up character or not, but you know. <laughs> I think I think he's fictional. Um, you've got your pirate crew as well, but I like Ade. He's a he's a really interesting character. He is, uh, has a lot of convictions, and eventually those lead him into the Assassin Order, and so he joins them and leaves Edward before Edward joins the Assassins, and is kind of the voice of reason, you know? And But what's interesting about Edward is he's not prejudiced at all. Kind of like Arthur Morgan in Red Dead 2, you know, he's a very um, out-of-time character 
who who actually does seem pretty progressive, although his stance is more like, I'm not really going to get in the middle of things, but he doesn't think any less of a, of a black person, and some of his contemporaries do. So, And he accepts Adewale as his quartermaster, or his first mate. Um, and and Adewale says it in the beginning, you know? Edward's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for, because they captured the ship together. He's like, I'm sorry for claiming, you know, the ship as captain, but obviously I don't think that they're going to sail under you. And Adewale's like, yeah, I know, I'm used to that. And Edward says, well, what can I do for you? And he goes, I'll be your quartermaster, nothing less. You know? And he demands that respect, and Edward gives it. Yeah, it's a beautiful relationship throughout the entirety of the game. Well, I say the entirety. There, there are points in which the relationship does kind of, you know, go on the, the, the tight end. Edward pushes away everyone in his life because of his selfishness and his greed slowly throughout the game. If, if For the ones weird. that don't die. Well, I didn't actually realize they were leading up to that during the game. It, I didn't see that happening until it was just there. You're like, holy shit. Everyone like, died. They're all gone. And he's alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was the only one of his original privateer gang that uh, that was left. Which, you know, he and his mates were originally privateers serving under, you know, serving together. But turned to, to piracy and um, established the, the nation, pirate state of, of Nassau. Yeah, I find it weird that, that Charles Vane, y- you actually kill him. You kill him in the game, or at least it shows that you assassinate him. But later on, it shows him in a jail cell. Yeah, which matches his real life death. That's what I love about Assassin's Creed. One of the things is a lot of your major assassination targets are people who really died at that date on that time. But yeah, the, the, that one was weird because historically Vane does die in a jail cell. But they actually have you assassinate him at one point, and then it, I guess he doesn't—he didn't actually die. He was just kind of injured. They, they did kind of mess that one up a little bit, but we also, of course, have the Assassin Order. Um, again, featured a little less prominently in this one, but Edward definitely comes into them. I mean, actually, originally he kills a few yeah, of them, he does. posing as a Templar, but including the mentor Atabai. They're all natives, including his his alter ego, or I guess really his alter ego, but the, you know the person he stole his name from, Duncan Walpole. Yeah, but he was actually a Templar. He was a spy. He, he was a traitor, yeah. Traitor. He, was, he was a rogue assassin, and that's who Edward meets early on and kind of gets embroiled in this Templar conspiracy. This facade he's created, like, and he falls into it because <laughs> he just stole his identity. Well, yeah, and he finds the, the, the possibility of money, and Edward's motivated to get enough money to make a name for himself and come home and have a good life with his wife, uh, Caroline who he was supposed to only have left for privateering for two years, but we can gauge that it, it ends up being a lot more than that. In fact, the, the game takes over the course over seven years, and it's, it's hard to remember that sometimes. You don't usually notice because the dates just kind of flash by. They do. And, and you don't really pay them much heed, but you know the game takes place over the uh, course of seven years. So starting with Edward betraying the Assassin Order to eventually redeeming himself and becoming an assassin and getting targets you know, humbling himself after, you know, trying to rot away in a jail cell. But um, he's trying to find the observatory, right, which was this item that can allow someone uh, to look at anyone's location in the world with their blood. And most of the game is him just trying to chase this kind of this fantasy, but other opportunities coming up and, and you know, uh, interacting with other pirates. Well, folks, that wraps up part one of our episode on Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. We'll be picking this back up in part two, so stay tuned. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about Collateral Gaming and uh, be ready for season three. We couldn't do it without all of you. 
Uh, we definitely wouldn't have as successful of a season two without our fans and fellow podcasters. So uh, keep doing what you're doing. And if you're ready for more collateral gaming content, please let us know. Uh, if there's any games that you want to do, if you are a podcaster and you want to do a collab or, um, you know, just have any feedback for us whatsoever, check us out on all social media channels. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the lot. Um, but that's about it, guys. See you next time. Gaming is an L Company production. All music and game clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor. I thought I heard the old man say, Leave her, Johnny, leave her. Tomorrow ye will get your pay, and it's time for us to leave her. Leave her, Johnny, leave her. Oh, leave her, Johnny, leave her. For the voyage is long and the winds don't blow. And it's time for us to leave her. Oh, the wind was foul and the sea ran high. Leave her, Johnny, leave her. She shipped. It green and none went by And it's time for us to leave her Leave her, Johnny, leave her Oh, leave her, Johnny, leave her For the voyage is long and the winds don't blow And it's time for us to leave her I hate to sail on this rotten tub Leave her, Johnny, leave her No grog allowed and rotten grub And it's time for us to leave her Leave her, Johnny, leave her Oh, leave her, Johnny, leave her For the voyage is long and the winds don't blow And it's time for us to leave her We swear by our oath for want of more Leave her, Johnny, leave her But now we're through So we'll go on shore And it's time for us to leave her Leave her, Johnny, leave her Oh, leave her, Johnny, leave her For the voyage is long And the winds don't blow And it's time for us
just to leave her.